Shut up and sit down. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. Episode 69 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. I'm Daryl. I'm your host as always, and it's good to be here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for coming back. And uh, thanks for the feedback on the last episode. We picked up some of the technical issues as well with the intro, um, and those things are being addressed. I say we, I'm addressing them, uh, and hopefully I can get those things sorted out. We're always trying to smooth things out and improve. Um, so all that feedback, all the feedback in general um, has been good, but we appreciate you letting us know about things like that because uh, it's important uh, that we get this thing as as uh, as smooth as we can. So um, yeah, lots of things have happened in the last sort of week since we were here before. Again, I'm trying to do two of these every week, but sometimes it just, it just can't be done. Um, so definitely one, but hopefully two, that's, that's the aim with everything. And as always, you can check us out on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, we're at quiet part loud there. You can listen on iTunes, SoundCloud, um, and I've resubmitted to Spotify to see if we can get on there as well. Any update on that? And I'll certainly let you know. Um, so what's been going on with you guys? Uh, you, did you check out the Super Bowl? Uh, I didn't. <laughs> Just uh, as an upfront, I uh, couldn't really care less about the NFL. Uh, something I used to be into for a few years. But, you know, it's not, not anything I pay attention to now. Uh, obviously, you see the headlines and the controversy around it because it's such a big event. Uh, but yeah, it just, it's just it's not really on my radar. Uh, but I did see some of the headlines coming out around the halftime show and about the performance and about the celebs blocking. You know, some of them were, were boycotting it in protest for Colin Kaepernick and so on and so forth. You know, he's been relatively quiet on the whole protest front recently. Um, it's kind of around the time the Nike commercial came out. But again, I don't follow it too, too closely. Um, but like, you know, these celebs are boycotting the Super Bowl, right? It's like, okay, cool. Like, what else are you doing? Like, I love these people that have all this influence. And like, you know what I'm not doing? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to not watch TV that night. Or not even not watch TV. I'm just not going to watch that channel that night. It's like, yeah, I get it. But, and? Like, it wasn't like a social movement or anything, right? That. Everybody was like, oh, you know, I'm actively not participating in watching the Super Bowl. You know, at the end of the day, it's a fucking game, right? You know, and I get the power and the influence sphere and, and, and all of that. And I understand what Kaepernick is doing. And I get it. I get it all. I get it all. But the fact of the matter is that platform is effectively, you know, dying a slow death. The Super Bowl has, has had its lowest viewership in 10 years, you know, um, the halftime show from all accounts, from what I've read and from what I've heard was a disaster. Um, you know, the Patriots won again. Uh, so it's kind of like, okay, great again, you know, so no real surprise, you know, the game I guess was okay, but just the whole thing around it, you know, what's blown up out of it. It's like, it's two things, right? This is all it is now. It's just a protest platform, right? So you get people saying they're not watching it because of Colin Kaepernick and the inequality uh, surrounding African-Americans. Okay, fine. Great. Be louder about it because I didn't hear a fucking word about it until afterwards. Um, 
So you've got people like Rihanna like just not participating. It's like, okay, cool. But like, do we really need to go into how you're much a, as much a catalyst towards some of the issues around women as you are, you know, part of a, a solution? And I know Rihanna does, you know, a ton of good stuff on the side and, and everything like that. But let's be honest, right? Let's be honest. Um, it's just a bit... It's all a bit showy, you know, it's all a bit, it's all a bit facade and no, and no building, right? There's nothing really there. And again, like Kaepernick has been relatively quiet. I haven't heard much around this. You know, I would figure that he would use his platform to be a lot more vocal. So you've got this kind of protest around, you know, not participating in the game in which people are losing an interest in anyways. Um, because who's got time for that shit, you know? Um, but then the other thing is the halftime show and people like Adam Levine did the halftime show topless and his nipples were showing. So why was all the fuss around Janet Jackson and, and, and her being exposed? And it's like, do we really have to talk about the difference between men's tits and women's tits? Like there is actually like an, uh, like an evolutionary uh, difference in how we view the male versus female mammary glands. <laughs> but like other than that, like just in terms of the sexualization around them and okay, maybe that's a product of something that we've created. I get it, but it goes towards the nurturing and the motherhood and the evolution around that and how we view fertile women and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's categorically a difference between women's tits and men's tits, right? But also, who gives a fuck? Like, Janet Jackson's just fine. And people are like, well, Justin Timberlake exposed her. Did he or was it rehearsed? Was it re rehearsed, intentionally provocative? I don't know. Maybe I'm completely fucking wrong on this, but I just don't see the issue here. One, I don't think Janet Jackson should have been, you know, criticized at all. But to draw comparisons just because a guy was like, that's like going back and saying, well, how come we're not criticizing Aerosmith and all these fucking rock bands and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But it's like, okay, well, if we're talking about the Janet Jackson issue from the Justin Timberlake perspective, then it's like, do we really need to talk about the over-sexualization of women? I mean, again, going back to Rihanna, going back to, you know, hip-hop as a genre of music and what's in their, you know, hip-hop videos. And I don't want to sound like a fucking prude because all I listen to is, you know, fucking gangster rap from the 90s. Um, whenever I generally listen to music, right? Like, I'm a huge fucking gangster rap fan. Like, I'm a huge rap fan in general. Um, I love hip-hop, not the current state of the garbage that's out, but, you know, I I'm I'm a product of the 90s. I grew up with that, you know, with that music, and that's what I love. And I, and I got a lot of love for hip-hop, and I got a lot of love for, you know, the art around hip-hop and the, you know, the the light that they shine on, on the women's physique, let's say, right? But, um... I just don't really see the fucking issue here. One, who gives a shit about the Super Bowl in general? Like, two, boycotting the Super Bowl as like a, as like 
a like I, you're not making any difference by not watching the Super Bowl. There's no difference made in not by not watching the Super Bowl. I know what you're and I know I've made the argument, right? Talk with your money, right? Talk with your wallet. But they're going after a specific set of people that are always going to be tuned in to the Super Bowl. And a lot of it is just pomp and ceremony around the money spent on the advertising and, you know, all the fanfare around the entertainment and, you know, so on and so forth. It's just, it's it's all for nothing. Like, it's it's just a distraction piece, right? It's like, it's, it's five hours of bleh. Like, just bleh. Like, that's it. So, like, a celeb boycotting it and at least not doing it in tandem with Colin Kaepernick, for instance, let's just say as an example of making this thing an awareness piece, is just, for what? For what? For what is my question. And then the Adam Levine, Janet Jackson thing is just, it's just ridiculous. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like, talk about trying to just find something, right? Like, oh, he got his tits out. He got his tits out, but when she did it, she was a pariah. Janet Jackson's just fine. All right? Janet Jackson's a billionaire. Relax. She's fine. All right? Maroon 5. Th th this is where the Super Bowl's going, right? You get Maroon 5 performing at the halftime show. And it's just like, Maroon, like Maroon 5, that's just like, I don't know. It's just like vanilla ice cream, right? Does nothing for me. Does nothing. Absolutely shit for me. So anyways, um, I just think it was a bit of a joke because, you know, it was just, it wasn't about football. Nobody give a shit. You know, the Patriots fans obviously were going out there and, you know, tooting their fucking horns, of course, you know, why wouldn't you, it's a Bulls fan in the 90s syndrome, right, but that era is coming to an end now, so we'll see how they do, and see how many Pats fans are around afterwards, um, but yeah, it wasn't about football, it was just about these other issues, and it's like, no thanks, no thanks, not spending five hours of my time to watch that, Right? That's why I stopped watching the NBA. Three and a half hours for a fucking 48-minute game? Nah, not interested. To see mediocre performances and, and, and the worst example of basketball that would have James Naismith fucking rolling over in his grave? No, thank you. Sports are played out for me, man. Can't invest any amount of time in them. I'll watch the UFC like a motherfucker. But I don't even see myself watching that in a few years. Because now I'm quick to fast forward even boring fights. I'm just like, see ya. Ain't got time for it. So it's like, okay, well, if it becomes a main event only type of viewership, then it will become a, you know, top two fights of the evening viewership thing. And then it's like, well, what's the point? Do I really want to invest any time in this anymore? There's other things to do. If, you, if you're a sports fan, great. And knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. For me, it's just, it's played out. I think it's, I think sports are amazing for kids in developing confidence and 
the ability to interact and succeed in a team environment, um, also to manifest uh, self-preservation, but also self-awareness, self-esteem, uh, resiliency in both team and individual sports. I think they're amazing for from a from a child developmental point of view. I think they're incredible. When you're an adult and you're cheering for somebody in a uniform, you're, you know, what the worst thing for me is when people are like we when referring to a team. I did that. I did that a, a long, long time ago, like once or twice, and caught myself and almost got sick doing it. I was like, "Oh, that's gross!" Like we, like the Patriots fans, we won another Super Bowl. Like I get the camaraderie aspect of it. Relax, I get it. It's not lost on me, right? I understand why it's being done. I'm just saying, it's fucking. It's a bit pathetic. Attach your own personal success to somebody else's that actually has zero impact on your existence and on your life. What, it makes you happy for a day or two? Great. Okay, you got a bit of a serotonin spike and, and, and whatever, right? But what has it done for you? You've probably spent money on uh, the game itself in terms of either tickets or watching it or... Uh, going to a bar, you know, the food around it. You've probably had a bit more than you normally would. Maybe you had a day off work, so you're a little less productive. You know, what's? The, but you're a bit happier and you saw your team win. It's not your team. You don't own them. You contribute to them by buying the merchandise, patting the pockets of the players and the owners, but it's got nothing to do with you because you know what happens if you stop being a fan of whatever team you're a fan of? Nothing. You know what happens to their record or their performance? You know how it's affected if you don't watch them? It's not. It does not matter. It's arbitrary. You are there to fuel the thing. That's it. So it's just a bit arbitrary to me. And I don't get me wrong, man. I used to be the biggest sports fan. The biggest sports fan. I just find it tiresome now to even switch it on, but to each their own. And if you're a sports fan, congratulations, whatever team you support, I hope they do fucking great. I hope they make you as happy as, as Larry. But as somebody once said, if you see, if you are wearing a sports jersey and that player sees you in the street, they should get to fuck you for free. So that's how I feel about it as well. I thought it was perfect in terms of how we're obsessed. You're not obsessed with, you know, you don't give a shit about the person in the jersey, you'll fucking spit on that guy if he gets traded to another team, you know? The vitriol that comes with it. So you support a club. You support this idea of a thing, of a team, of a unit, of a corporation that has a certain set of colors on a uniform. That's what you support. You support a bunch of jerseys and a color scheme based on a location. That's it. Just saying. Anyways, um, so the Super Bowl happened this week. There is a proper good event, actually, the UFC coming on this weekend. Maybe we'll touch on that later on in the show. I don't know. Um, oh, I wanted to give you guys an update on Brexit. <laughs> That's my update on Brexit. What a pile of dog shit. 
I watched Theresa May's speech to um, the Irish business owners yesterday. What a load of bullshit. She acts like she's got some maneuverability and some bargaining power. It's hilarious to me now to see this. It's like she's she's saying, this is categorically not going to happen. This is categorically not going to happen. This is categorically not going to happen. It's like you don't have any negotiating power. Because the EU will just say, fuck off. We'll let your March 29th deadline pass. And then what? Businesses are leaving the UK. Our economy is on a downturn. I don't understand how every politician in this fucking country is not standing up and saying, my constituents need a second referendum. Oh, I know why. Because they're not fucking asking us. They're not asking us. Can we get a little bit more vocal about this, please? I know when you get you know, a whole two years down the road in one particular subject, we get a bit exhausted, we get a bit fatigued, we get a bit turned off by the mention or the thought of the subject, right? This is important. This is important. I talk about Brexit on every single fucking episode. Near enough. Near enough every episode. So nobody can, nobody can accuse this show of not telling you guys how much this needs to happen. And I stand by the decision that the best thing for us at the moment is a second referendum. And once the second referendum happens, which will overwhelmingly be a remain vote, then we should be immediately calling a general election to get Theresa May the fuck out of office. This is it. I mean, I know I'm swearing through this and you'll have to pardon the language if you can. But this is pathetic. And I'm so sick of incompetence in business, incompetence in politics, incompetence in social life, incompetence everywhere. I spend my days trying to be as competent as possible in as many areas of my life as possible. So can you imagine the friction that one feels when there's constant tides coming in the opposite way of incompetency, just kind of rushing over it doesn't matter where you turn right if you live in london you are inundated with it inundated with it and i want you to let you know that i hear you i feel you i see it i deal with it whether it's some cunt that wants to press up a little bit too hard against you in the tube because their space is apparently <coughs> much more valuable than anybody else's there's plenty of room for them but they still manage to brush up against you and push you just a little bit too far, right? They're nudging you or they're leaning against you a little bit more weight bearing on you. Whether it be that or it be, fuck, I don't know, somebody who can't turn up to the office on time or can't tell you how to run their own business. Like they, they have no idea what their day-to-day functionality is or simple things like people in the gym don't put their weights away when they're done. When they're finished using them, they just leave it there. Or people who shit in the toilet and don't flush it, right? Like people who are slow, customer service representatives that just don't know how to operate. People who think that being given an opportunity to earn 
money when their other prospects are nil. Then look a gift horse in a mouth and say, I need more or I need more, but I want to do less is more often the case. People who can't be bothered, you know, to live any sort of a motivated lifestyle. And I know I'm ranting here, but fuck it. We need the rant. And I don't think I've done this in quite a while, but fuck it. Because I think people need to be called out on their bullshit. Incompetency everywhere. Like I watched the State of the Union with Donald Trump and I wanted to break that down. But it's like, how do you break down such incompetence? Everything this motherfucker said was bullshit. Everything he said was garbage. And then he just basically used what time he had as a, as a campaign stop to promote his border wall and to peddle more bullshit about why he needs the wall. Does America have an immigration problem? 100%. Are there a ton of like South American uh, migrants fleeing into America every day? 100%. But is this sort of rhetoric the way to, to manage it, the way to handle it? <coughs> he's, he's the worst. And I was going to break it down and like, I had some points that I was like, well, maybe we should talk about this or maybe we should talk about this. Like fact checking him in terms of like, well, you know, he's created this many jobs. It's like, no, you haven't. He's like, my, it's, it's our, it's because of us and the deregulation that our economy is so strong. The economy is not strong. Again, this is another thing we've talked about on the show. The economy in America is not strong. It's a blip of a cycle that is about to end. Deregulation may have blipped it a little bit more. But the tax cuts are hurting the lower class. They've driven the debt in America through the ceiling. Like you thought it was bad before. Industry, agriculturally speaking, is suffering, specifically the soybean market, because of the trade uh, troubles that they're having with China. This motherfucker has an investigation going on from multiple parts of his presidency and businesses. And then he talks about, oh, revenge politics needs to stop. He's the manifestation of revenge politics, of name calling, of bullying, of lack of negotiating ability. He is the epitome of these things. That he, you know, this is like me saying, <clears throat> this is like me saying, hey, can you motherfuckers clean up your cocksucking language, please? That's what it's like. Right? There couldn't be anything more hypocritical. So I've sat through, let's call it 70% of the State of the Union speech so far. And it is, whew, it's tough to listen to. He drags out a family whose grandparents, parents, and great-grandparents, right, they were the older, the oldest generation, were murdered by a person who happened to be an, an illegal immigrant and cites that as a reason that he needs $5.5 to build a wall. <coughs> it's, it's the most asinine stuff I've seen in 
in politics in in a long, long time, I have to say. Uh, really, really disgraceful stuff. But yeah, uh, I like I said, I got through about seventy five percent of it, seventy percent of it, and and it's just a it's a schlog at the moment. So, um, what else is going on? I mean, the Super Bowl and the State of the Union in the same week, and a complete Brexit ball up. Uh, you know, the weeks are packing them in, right? Um, did you guys see this thing? Uh, uh, the 24 year old kid. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to laugh because it's not funny because he's dead, but he got killed by a vape pen. I also don't want to, uh, <laughs> I also don't want to make it seem funny that he definitely looked a certain way that you would expect someone who dies from a vape pen would look. Now, you can take that for what you like. You can take that as you want to. I don't care. I just saw the article today with the young man's picture on it and the headline that uh, man 24 dies after vape pen explodes. I'm like, okay, cool. So what happened was it, it severed his carotid artery and he died of a massive stroke is what they said now i don't know in terms of the consequences around you know sucking on a robot dick but this clearly is one of them like i know smoking is terrible and cigarettes are awful and you know the worst products in the world but never in the history of smoking has ever anybody ever died from a severed artery in their neck. Right? So I'm not saying it's just like for like, but, you know. Anyway, I don't fucking know. I don't know. I, I just It's a tragic thing that happened, but it's there's humor in it somewhere, you know. And it happened in Texas, which I don't know why makes it funnier to me. But um, wow, that's super annoying. I bet you guys can hear that, huh? That wham wham in the back. That's really good for the podcast listeners. Really good. Okay. Um, ugh, what else is going on? <laughs> um, it's funny because I was talking about Brexit earlier and one thing I didn't mention is that, so there's, there's this Tusk guy right on the EU side and he's basically said, I wonder what warm place in hell there is for the Brexiteers that promoted Brexit as a good plan without any safety net has. Basically like this is going to be disastrous for you guys. Like who... Like, whoever did this, whoever manifested this, whoever promoted this as a good idea, you know, is definitely going to hell. Um, so that gives you some indication of where we're heading with this thing. Um, but it could be worse. You know, we could have Donald Trump leading our country. You know, so, you know, always a silver lining. Um, 
R. Kelly's announced a tour in Europe, I think it is, <laughs> after surviving the surviving R. Kelly thing uh, documentary series, which I think has just come to television. Uh, in television? What am I, 1947? Uh, it's coming to the TV, I think, now. I think it's available. Uh, but I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale uh, Season 2 because obviously Season 3 come, has come out or is coming out, whatever. Uh, we had a bunch of the first... A uh, bunch of the first like load of episodes from season two recorded and then uh, for some reason Sky and all her wisdom just fucking deleted it uh, which was which was fantastic so um, so I didn't get to watch that because they removed it and now they've brought it back because they want to promote season three so we're gonna smash through season two but I mean it started absolutely insane right with a what it was a mass fake execution where they put spoiler alert where they put the nooses around all the uh handmaids necks and then fake drop them fuck and you got kate bush this woman's work in the uh playing in the background i mean it was insane that is that's heavy that's heavy heavy filmmaking there um really good stuff so i'm gonna smash through that and get caught up so check it out if you haven't seen it. It is, it, you know, obviously based on Margaret Atwood's novel, um, but it's uh, it's fantastic. And the main character, and I always forget her name, she was in Breaking Bad as well. Um, she's just incredible. She's so good. Um, so yeah, check that out, guys. If you haven't checked that out, it's, it's quite the show. Now, I don't usually do this, right? Because I usually just focus in on the mic and just... Let me take those off. So usually I just focus in on the mic and just go. And usually I have a couple, you know, I usually have a couple bullet points or something like that. A couple talking points, a couple subjects that I want to that I want to hit. Um, what I don't do is I don't go online. Unless I'm like looking at a UFC card or something like that. I don't usually go online. But I have gone online while I've been, while I've been recording the show just flicking through Twitter because I want to see if there's any updates on the State of the Union and obviously Brexit, da 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 And come to find out, there is. So about four minutes ago, Labour have officially called for Brexit to be delayed. So the deadline's March 29th. Okay? And now the opposition has called for an Article 50 extension. Right? This, there's no other information about it other than they've asked for an extension. So does that mean that they're confident they can get something done if they have a three-month extension? Or are they trying to postpone, you know, even further the possibility of a second referendum? Or are they trying to manifest that? Or what is going on? Are they trying to get to a general elect election? What is What is happening? You can't just put that out. That's not breaking news. Breaking news would be the detail behind that. That's just a fucking headline. It doesn't tell you anything. It just says stay tuned for more information. And that's not good enough. So I know we kind of fucked around in the middle there talking about vape pens and bullshit. But this goes towards my single rant earlier about competency and incompetence being rampant 
through all facets of life. I mean, this is another, this is journalistic incompetence, you know? Speaking of journalistic incompetence, what do you, do you guys have any thoughts on, on the BuzzFeed thing? So BuzzFeed, if you don't know what I'm talking about, BuzzFeed let, uh, released, uh, wrote an article basically saying that, um, Donald Trump had said to Michael Cohen, you have to lie to Congress, right? And if that's true, that is an absolute clear uh, case of obstruction, obstruction of justice and Trump goes to jail. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, right? That's it. But the Mueller investigation came out and said, no, uh, we actually refute that article, but didn't give any specifics. They just said they refute it. And I thought that was a bit weird because obviously they don't say anything ever generally. They're, they're completely silent. So for them to speak up on it makes me wonder if this is very much a case of like you've almost got it but shut the fuck up about it. Um, what you wrote was like slightly wrong like in the case of the Nixon uh, and Watergate scandal where Woods, um, Woodward and Bernstein actually got their facts wrong in one of the situations that almost derailed the whole entire thing and almost put it to bed was when they they said somebody had testified to Congress, but they actually hadn't. Um, so they were able to be called liars and, you know, kind of discredited the whole entire investigation. That's what seems to be going on. Uh, I wonder if this is like one of those. Not to, not from the Mueller team to say, oh, this is, this is wrong with the hopes of derailing the whole investigation because I don't think by any shape of the, uh, you know, any stretch of the imagination that they want that. Uh, they want this thing to come to a conclusion and they want it to come to whatever that conclusion is. Uh, they want, you know, to be fair and, you know, obviously blah, 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 blah. All right, speaking for them. What the fuck do I know? But this seems like a perfect opportunity that if they come, as they have come out and refute it, it gives the Trump administration the opportunity to say, see, they're wrong about this and they're wrong about the whole thing. Very much like Nixon did when he was going through this with Woodward and Bernstein. You know, it was very much like, we don't want these shoddy reporters. They're, you know, enemy of the people type of comments, right? Don't trust them. They're they're completely incompetent, you know, so on and so forth. But obviously it turned out the Woodward and Bernstein were correct. They were just way out ahead in front of the story, way further ahead than anybody else. And so even the other news outlets were questioning the validity of the report, just like what's happening now. And this is why history is so important, right? Because if you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you're at, and you definitely don't know where you're going. For true perspective and nuance, you need to know the whole story. And in order to accomplish that, you have to look back. Because things always, as the economy is going through now, things always happen in cycles, so we have to look at this as like, oh, whoa, there used to be a corrupt motherfucker in the White House who was dumb enough to get caught. And guess what? We've got another one. <coughs> I'm not saying that all presidents are or are not corrupt. If I was to, if I was a gambling man, I would say, yes, they most certainly are. It's kind of part of what you have to have on the resume, right? You have to be able to be, you have to be a good boy for all the corporate interests or you don't stand a chance running, you know, the greatest capitalist experiment the world has ever seen. You have to be a little dodgy, right? But the other ones are at least smart enough to cover it up. I mean, even Bill Clinton got caught getting a blowjob in the White House in the Oval Office, right? But even they can't pin the fucking Clinton campaign finance 
um, channels to anything nefarious, even if they can. Like, yeah, and? They're a Teflon for real. And if you don't think that they're behind this, I said this a long time ago, if you don't think that they've put the full weight of their operational uh, might behind this investigation, you're out of your fucking mind. If you don't think there are wheels turning in the background behind Mueller, you are out of your fucking mind. You don't have any grasp on the true scope of what government is and how these political families, these political dynasties have influence that goes, you know, deep as an oak tree's roots. It's insane. The deep, dark motherfucker that is Hollywood, that is Washington and his politics in that town. There's more wealth concentrated there than almost anywhere else in the world. And those motherfuckers are government workers, right? Get out of here. That's a nasty, dirty business. So this guy... This guy has a full-on investigation. And Roger Stone, obviously, we talked about him on the last show. He's been fucked now. He's been indicted. So all of this stuff is is coming around. And all of this stuff is coming back to... It's going to come to a head soon, right? But I just wanted to touch on, on that. And also the fact that the newly elected women in, in Congress all came out in white... And if anybody doesn't know what that is, you probably guessed, uh, but it's for the suffrage movement uh, of women's rights back in the early 19th century, or I think, yeah, um, early 19th century, I believe. Um, but it was for the suffrage movement. And, you know, they stood up when there was big points around uh, female employment and female elected officials being the highest that it's ever been. They loved that point, as you can imagine. And good for them as well, because I think, I don't know, man, there's something about AOC, Alexandria Octasio-Cortez. There's something about her. There is something about her. Um, she is a beast, man. I got I got a lot of love for that woman, and I don't even know her. <laughs> no, she, for real though, she you know she's an outspoken young person who doesn't give a fuck about the old establishment, and you gotta have love for a person like that, right? Someone who wants to talk back but does it with facts, figures, and proposals that most people or a lot of people, a significant portion of the population, are behind. Mate, you gotta you gotta look at that and say, mm, keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on her. I never, I'm not saying anything that anybody doesn't know already, but you know, if she, if, if she was so inclined, I could see her, uh, I could see her really making a push for the, for the big house and getting, uh, and getting a run at the presidency sooner rather than later. I think the only thing that's stopping her is our actual age. So if she can keep her work up and her her exposure as it is now i think she's gonna be in a really strong position so we'll see what happens there should we talk quickly about should we talk quickly about the upcoming ufc i just don't know if i'm gonna get another chance to do an episode before the week is out um and i'm kind of debating whether i should save that card and break it down but i think I think I could quickly probably just do the top two fights because 
I mean, I could not care less about one other single fight on the card. I'll watch them all. I'm definitely going to watch the whole card, but I don't care about anything other than the main fights. So should we just break down, break, break them down? And then we don't need to do a preview show, right? So, <clears throat> so the co-main event on this card is, how do I want to put this? Well, it's Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva, right? Now, if this fight would have happened now, but Anderson Silva was five years younger, I would go as far to say that this could be the best fight of all time. The striking ability, the movement, the defense, the overall skill set between these two individuals is, in my opinion, as good as you can get. They can do everything. Now, Israel Adesanya's got work to learn, you know, work to do in terms of what he knows on the ground. But that's going to come in time. But in terms of overall skill set, I'm talking about the things I just mentioned. I'm talking about movement. I'm talking about reaction time. I'm talking about uh, striking prowess. I'm talking about, you know, defensive ability. I'm talking about the whole package as an MMA uh, practitioner. I really think Israel Adesanya is that good. He's still young. I think he's that good. I think for 170, he is next level. He is just so creative and so precise with his movements. And, you know, just, I don't know. There's just something about this kid. He's so, he's so good. And it's, sorry, he's not 170. He's 185, right? Is he normally 170? No, he's 185. Um, but these guys, it's like Israel Adesanya is a younger next version of what Anderson Silva was. Now, Anderson Silva is at the end of his career. I fully expect Adesanya to beat him, um, you know, and continue his ascension. He's 15 and 0. Anderson is obviously, you know, a complete veteran, one of the greatest of all time, if not, you know, in many opinion, in many people's opinion, the greatest of all time. But this is an opportunity for Israel Adesanya to say, you know, that was the the prototype. I am now the prototype. That's what this is going to be, right? So you've got the spider versus the last style bender. I think uh, Israel Adesanya probably wins via TKO uh, in like the second round. Like I think he's going to finish Anderson Silva. Um, but we'll see what happens. Should be a good fight if Anderson Silva comes to play. Where is this? This is in Australia, by the way, right? Yeah, it's in Melbourne. So... You know, Anderson's got to travel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's 40-odd years old. So, you know, it's there's everything set up here for Israel um, Israel to win. Um, and I expect him to do so. He is one of my favorite fighters already of all time. I love this kid. I think this kid's fucking next-level skilled. So I'm hoping he comes out with the victory. I think he will. I don't see any reason why other than if he kind of sleeps on Anderson and Anderson gets a bit aggressive. But I just think, I just think Israel's too young, too dynamic, too next level, too evolved. Um, but I wish, 
I wish Anderson Silva was five years younger because then we would be talking about one of the potential best fights and best matchups of all time. So let's see what happens. Um, the main event is for the title uh, actually in the same weight class, right? So this is if Adesanya wins against Anderson Silva, although he's like uh, sixth ranked in the middleweight division, there is a good chance this could set him up for a title. Uh, fight against the winner of the main event, which is Robert Whitaker, who's the champ against Kelvin Gastelum. And he's ranked fourth, right? Gastelum's fourth seed in that division. Israel's sixth, hop, skip, and a jump over. Maybe he lands, ends up at three or four if he beats Anderson Silva. I don't know. I uh, don't know how the stats and the rankings work. There doesn't seem to really be much uh, of a thought process behind it, but that's maybe maybe that's just something I don't know. Uh, anyways, good matchup. Kelvin Gastelum, great boxer. I just don't think he's got the the full package to fuck with Robert Whitaker. I think if Robert Whitaker comes in healthy, he's just too fast, too dynamic. His punching power is incredible. Kelvin Gastelum's got great punching power as well. You remember he knocked out Bisbing. You know, he's knocked out a number of people before, um, albeit Bisbing was coming off that loss to GSP very, very short time before that, which was, you know, unfortunate. But um, I just think Robert Whitaker's got too much for almost everybody in that division. You know, and I think if him and Israel end up do like if he wins this, if Kel, if um, if Whitaker wins this and retains the title, and then fights Adesanya in the next bout, that's going to be interesting for me because it'll be whether or not Whitaker can control him because Whitaker's a strong dude. I think with the Kelvin fight, he's actually going to probably outstrike him because Robert Whitaker has a, an extremely high output, and Kelvin does as well. But Robert Whitaker, I think, is just on that next notch up, you know. And, yeah, I think the striking, I think, you know, again, we've got to see what kind of Robert Whitaker comes in. I haven't watched any of the Embedded yet, so I need to catch up on that. Uh, I think there's two episodes out already. But I want to see what kind of shape Robert Whitaker's in. He's always, like, he fucking fights and gets hurt, has surgery. Fights, get hurt, has surgery. And it's just a, sh it's just a shame that he can't, like, you know, put more of a streak together in terms of, you know, being truly active. Uh, but I think he still gets the job done if he's healthy. Um, and then it's a potential Whitaker Adesanya matchup uh, for the title after that. Because um, I'm not entirely sure what that middleweight. Uh, middleweight. Let me have a look real quick. So, middleweight. Uh, middleweight right now is. So, why does it have. Why would it have it like that? Is that the top 20? So why are they saying Israel Adesanya is the sixth ranked? This website fucking sucks. UFC, your website sucks. So if you go to middleweights on there, they just list them like what? Like, like it goes Robert Whitaker who's the title holder. Then it goes Israel Adesanya, who is the sixth rank. Then Omar Akhmedov. Uh, then Abu Azatar. Then Vitor Belfort. Then Keith Barish. Then Michael Bisbing, who's fucking retired, by the way. Tim Bosch. David Brand. Like, there's... Like, it's just alphabetical. They've done it alphabetical by the last name instead of by the rankings. God. Let me see if I can filter it by... Nope, can't. Pff, fuck me. Anyways, I don't even know what I was saying. 
uh, they'll fight, and you know we'll see. But fuck it, I don't know who else is there. So it's probably going to be Whitaker if he beats Gal- Kelvin Gastelum in the main event of this card. Um, he'll probably get Israel Adesanya will probably get a shot if he beats Anderson Silva in like a convincing manner. So let's see what happens, right? Fucking that got all fucked up. Um, let's see what happens. That's on uh, this Saturday night on BT Sport Two. Uh, so check that out. I just record it. Because who wants to stay up for all those commercials, right? So, um, yeah, I think that's it, man. Like, what have we done? We've done just under an hour? You want to talk about anything else? Talk about my... I mean, what? Oh, fucking... I'm killing the workouts, guys. I got to be honest with you. Fucking killing the workouts right now. Really stepping things up. Really, really working hard. And starting to see some really nice results at the back of it. So, yeah, I'm going to keep that grind going. Um, but I think that's it, guys. I think I'm going to wrap it up. Like, we've done just under an hour. I don't want to waffle. I don't want to ramble on to you guys any more than I already have. So, let's pack it up, all right? Let's um, let's depart ways for now. I'm going to try to come back and do another episode of, by the end of the week. But we'll see. We'll see what the schedule holds. Um, but I hope you guys keep well out there. I hope you uh, keep doing your thing. Keep grinding. Keep working hard. Um, and we'll be back next time. So, um, this is the quiet part loud podcast episode 69. I didn't think we'd do three or four of these things, right? Get to five if we're lucky and then see ya. We're at almost 70 guys and we're pushing towards a hundred. So I thank you very much for continuing to tune in. We're going to monetize this thing one day, I feel, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it grows. I just want more of you guys to listen, come give us your feedback, tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, and let's keep this Let's keep this party going, man. Let's keep this train moving, right? So um, episode 69 in the books. Uh, We'll be back soon with episode 70. But until then, check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter at Quiet Part Part Loud. Um, Download and subscribe on SoundCloud. And, of course, on iTunes. We want to rate, feedback. We want all that stuff. So hit us up, guys. Let us know what you think. And uh, we'll be back real soon with another episode. So until next time, all the best.